I want to share with you around the theme of a year of pursuing vision in terms of us as workers in the church. And I want to encourage you concerning God's vision for us as a church and also for you as an individual. When we talk about pursuing vision, we are really referring to pursuing the agenda that God has for us. God's heart or God's will concerning our lives. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision or revelation, the people perish or cast off restraint. In other words, they live lives outside of divine boundaries. They live lives without any restrictions, any boundaries, any guidelines, any parameters that God has for them. But he that keeps the law, what law? The law governing the will of God, the vision or the agenda, the heart of God. Happy is he, blessed is he, empowered is he, prosperous is he. So we want to talk about pursuing God's vision for your life as a worker, as a church, as an individual, as a ministry, whatever you are representing, want to encourage you concern that. Turn to Psalm 71. Now, these notes are out there, there and um, I'm going to go through the notes, and that's, I feel I will emphasize certain points. And I encourage you to study it and to, and to develop it even more. It will empower you concerning God's vision for your life. Psalm 71, verses 16 to 18. I also want to encourage you to get the book, Discovering Purpose, through Go Vision. Um, go Setting, sorry, Go Vision. Go. <laughs> vision, vision, vision through Go Setting, if you haven't got it, and read it. More than getting the book, read it. It will really help you, especially those of you who have already gone through the seminars. It will be good for you to read it again prayerfully. Um, once a year or once every other year, prayerfully you read it, you study it. It will really help you concerning the, the things that God has for your life. So Psalm 71, verses 16 to 18. He says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O oh God, you've taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Now, in these verses, I want to show you how to complete your assignment or how to run your race to the end, how to fulfill the vision that God has for you. Because in these verses are seven guidelines. It's not in your notes. Seven guidelines. Your notes are there. You can always study them. I may not necessarily follow it, you know. So, you know, the notes are quite straightforward. So let's look at these seven guidelines here, and then if we have time, we'll go through some more. Also, before we look at these guidelines, I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 6 to 8. And I believe that one of the key things for you as a worker and as a, a man or a woman that represents the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the key things is that you must learn to last. You must last. You know, I've seen so many come in, very promising, but they don't last. They don't last. And often they don't last because they, they stray from the simplicity of following God's word and God's ways. And they complicate it. And so they don't last. 
But look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 8. Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. Paul lived his life in such a way that as he was coming to the end of it, he could boldly say, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. In other words, my life has been lived in such a way, it's always been an offering, but now it's coming to the end. It's like the, uh, uh, an offering that's been poured and coming to its end, the last drops of water. May you live a full life and die empty. May you live full and die empty. May you discover the things God has invested in you and by how you live your life, it is like a drink offering. It's like something that God is receiving as worship. He says, and the time of my departure is at hand. A question I asked the Lord many times earlier on in my younger days was when or how long do I have? How long, how many days do I have? Because in Psalm 90. Verse 12, he says, teach us to number our days so that we apply our hearts to wisdom. So I asked him many times, Lord, how long do I have? And when he finally told me, I have sought to live my life according to the number of my days. You know, and, and strategically, prayerfully, live according to the number of my days with the wisdom God has given to me. So that's why some of you may see the way at times I do things it's like, I'm doing this, 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 because I know how long I have. It's not a very long time. Now, there's many years, humanly speaking, you may say, you know, it's at least over 30 years. I'm not telling you exact. But for me, 30 years is quite short, because I've lived 51 of them already. So for me, you know, if it's, it's, it's quite short. So, and we haven't done much in 51 years. So right now, with, the, with the, the days left, we've got to really work very, very hard. Are you listening to me? Of those 51 years, 33 of them have been walking with the Lord, and we're not really impressed either with that. So with the little knowledge base we now have, we want to work in such a way, we work really hard, we work really strategically, so that when the time of our departure comes, we're not embarrassed. Look at Paul's testimony. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. You see, you can run this race and fight a bad fight and not fight a fight worthy of your Lord. He says, I have fought the good fight. Another place he says, fight the good fight of, of what? Faith. Of faith. So the good fight he fought was a fight, a faith fight. And what is that? It is a life that learns to live on what God tells it. Learns to depend on what God is saying and live that way. And as born again believers, you must learn to hear what God is saying to you and live it. You see, because let me tell you this. Now, I don't always get it right, but I'm telling you this. Every major endeavor I give myself to, as far as I'm aware, Almost all of them, if not all of them, has been because I felt in my spirit prayerfully that I should do it. Every major. 
every major endeavor I've given myself to in the last 20 years or so, it has been because I have felt. So when I stand before the Lord, now I haven't always got it right, but when I stand before the Lord, I will be able to say to my Lord, you know, I lived a life of faith. Or these decisions were made because of faith. Because faith is believing or doing what God says. And if I believe God is saying it, I do it. So my point I'm trying to say is this, is that if you are going to last, like Paul, you must learn to fight a good fight of faith. This is all introduction. He says, I have finished the race. That is your assignment. Beloved, you have an assigned race. You have. You know, and as a church, we have an assigned race. A, 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 a path that God has for us as a community of believers that we have to discover and fulfill and pursue. Like I've said a few times, I don't understand this vision that I had. I don't even understand it theologically. But I saw 300 years in the future in this vision. It really surprised me. And I saw what God was doing with our community 300 years in the future. Now, I don't understand it because to me, the Lord is coming soon. The, world is com- the end of this age is coming soon. But that's what I saw. And we'll touch on some of the implications of some of these things scripturally. But the point is this. You must know your race. And many of us, how God wants us to run is not just for us. In fact, all of us is for the generation coming. We are, to let, we are to be like David who builds or prepares for Solomon to build. The other day I was in a prayer meeting with a, a powerful apostle that I really respect. His name is Terry Virgo. And you know, I was a bit starstruck, so I didn't say anything. I just kind of looked at him. Because, I mean, for me, it's like, whoa, I'm with Ter- Terry Virgo. Very ordinary white English man. Very, I don't even know if he's English. But very ordinary white British man. And um, a powerful apostle. But he has led a group called New Frontiers for how many decades. And he has handed it over to the next generation. And they, in turn, have handed it over to the next generation. So I was talking with these kind of 30-something-year-old young men, men of God. One of them leading a church of about 800 and so forth, and another one leading, they're all leading very powerful works. And I was just talking to them, and, and I was just listening to them, and so forth. But what really impressed me was the fact that not only has Terry been able to hand over the baton to the next tier, but they also have been, have been able to hand over the baton. Now, 40 years or 35 or 40 years ago, however, however New Frontiers has been going for, when they started, they may have well thought that, you know, they would probably see the Lord return. But they still built in such a way they could hand over. And that's what we have to do. You know, Kwame, Phil, and myself, we have to, with Enoch and the elders, we have to do it in such a way. And, and by the way, this is the other thing that was so impressive. He now was quite bored, right? And he was saying how bored he was. And so they now, the senior guys now came to him and said, look, we, we want you to go and base in this church in some place, somewhere. And uh, so he, he's still excited. In 75, he's still excited, ready to go. I mean, it was just very, very encouraging. Something to aim for, amen. Something for me to aim for anyway. Yeah, so my point is, is that everyone has a race. And you must 
discover your race and run it. Look, God will bring people to CLF, and then some of them will leave. It's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to get all wound up. Let's say you hear uh, Peter says it's now time for him to move on and, and do something else. We will bless him. We will strengthen him. We will encourage him. We will stand with him. You know, it's not the end of the world. He's a very key person, but it's not the end of the world. You understand what I'm saying? Because he has his race to run. And if that's what God has for him, that's what God has for him. You know, um, Philip, John, and myself, I'm sure we'll still be here in some way or another. Um, but even that, even that, you never know. You might be the next deputy president of Ghana. I don't know. Call me. <laughs> so it might be, God may tell him, you know what, son, You've done this very well. Now it's time to do something else. Everybody has their race. I myself, the Lord might say to me, okay, Joe, you've done really well. Now I want you to leave CLF because CLF is bigger than me. Amen. Well, I'm not hinting anything. I'm not sowing a seed because I'm planning to leave. It's not like that. I'm just telling you, you must discover the race God has for you and run your race. Amen. He says, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Ooh, I've kept the faith. I pray that will be your testimony, that you kept the faith. Not just you lived the life of faith, but you kept the faith. You were a custodian of the teachings and the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. By how you lived and by what you said and what you taught, you were faithful to the end. You kept the faith. You did not deviate from the way of the cross. You did not deviate from the way of discipleship. You did not deviate from the way of love and humility. You did not deviate from prayer, from fasting. You did not deviate from the basic things, abandoned worship, extravagant, outrageous sacrifice. You did not deviate from tithes and offerings, especially when you understood that you didn't have to tithe. That's when you even tithed more. You know, when we were younger, we taught it a bit differently. Am I, am I not right, Kwame? We taught it a bit We taught it like... You must tithe or die, you know. Yeah. <laughs> because we were younger, you know. You know we, we, we taught it based on the level of revelation. But as we grew in understanding, we realized that tithing is a privilege. And it is wise and smart for any man or woman of God to tithe. But it is not a law. And so, some people, when they hear this, they say, hurrah, at last. Now I don't have to. You've missed the point. You've missed it completely. But you did not deviate from financial stewardship. That's what I'm trying to say. You did not deviate. You kept their faith. He says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Hey. You see, for, for me and for us as elders, we have to make sure that our workers, all those who are working for the Lord with us, have a paradigm of the age to come. You have to have a paradigm of the age to come. You know, you have to, because what we do here really does impact where we stand in the age to come. It really does. He says, from now or henceforth, finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, see, the righteous judge. See, God is a righteous judge. That is a very scary statement. God sees the whole picture proper. He sees things as they really are. So when God rewards somebody, he rewards them according to righteousness. 
God rewards according to right. So for me, my thing is I'm not even bothered about what you're doing. I'm worried about what I'm doing and how I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I'm worried about how I'm doing. The other day, myself and John were talking about something, and Kwame said something, and he said, sorry, Lord. Actually, you know what? I'm watching what I'm saying. And I noticed it because, you see, he wasn't just living before us. It was just the three of us. He said it. We, sometimes we say things and we laugh. But he said, when he realized, he said, no, sorry, Lord. You know, I shouldn't have said I'm watching what, what I say. Because God is a righteous judge. And he's watching what we're doing. He's watching what time we got here. Why we got here, the time we got here. He's watching how we handle each other in secret in here. A few times the Holy Spirit said to me, from this day, I don't want you to bring certain issues to me again. Because I like to moan sometimes in his presence, you know. I like to complain about some people, no names mentioned. And he said, I don't want you bringing this to me again. I said, yeah. So the other day, I really wanted to bring it to him. I said, I know you said I shouldn't bring this to you again. But I really, I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. Because he sees everything. Righteous judge will give to me on that day. Are you ready to receive your reward on that day? Work for that reward. Work for that day, beloved. Work for what you're going to be rewarded. As a worker, how would you be graded? As someone who works, who's given of their time to the work of God, how would you be rewarded? Like, like I ask myself, how would he reward me as a worker? There, is, there ain't no special bonus points for being a pastor or an apostle. No, the pay is the same. You're rewarded according to how faithful you are. You see? So, you know, for me, I'm really concerned about how I am working as a worker. You know, so the guidance that we're going to look at, for me, it is to ensure that we can be effective servants of God who are working in his house. How, how, do, you, how do you do God's work? You know, you know, we have people say, well, you know, my work is my workplace, you know, my job, that is God's work. I hope so. But I wonder how you'd feel if you weren't paid. How much of God's work it really would be if they decided not to pay you anymore? Whether you're willing to commit your soul to him who judges all things. You know, because the Lord did teach. If someone takes your coat, give them your cloak also. If somebody asks you for something, give without expecting it back. The other day I was looking at it. And I, and I said, this is really, this is really, really hard. You know, he says, the Lord's teachings is like this. They slap you, hey, pow! And you say, now the left one. That's his teaching. Can, that, you know, you, you, that's why Barabbas and those guys were like, insane man. We are here to deal with these Romans. Tell him if he slaps you, turn the other cheek. Nonsense. If he tries to slap you, don't give him your cheek and slap him first. <laughs> That's what some of us preachers we teach. 
His teachings are very, very strange, actually. The Lord's teachings, if I may be so bold, are very strange in our understanding. So they take advantage of you. They take their mick. They use you. They abuse you. They rob you. And then he says, bless them. They insult you. They despise you. He says, pray for them. No, I'm not praying for anyone. I'm binding them. I am dealing with them. I am committing them in the spirit, handing them over to Satan. (laughs) Like Paul the Apostle. (laughs) He says, you give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Are you even aware of it? Or do you dread his appearing? If the Lord was to be returning this week, how would you really feel? Be honest. You know, when we were single, don't remember if Philip or Kwame, if you remember these conversations, Knox, if you remember these conversations, but when we were single, I remember once we were talking about the Lord returning. And I think we were single at that time, and I think the conversation went like this. He needs to wait a little. We need to taste a few things (laughs) first. So you've tasted. Is it, was it worth him wait, waiting for? <laughs> hey! I'm telling you. We're like, no, no, no. We need to, we need to wait because, you know, I'm not... I'm not. <laughs> so now that you have, you have enjoyed all those things, was it really worth the Lord holding it back? <laughs> Some married people said no. <laughs> I don't know. You weren't in that conversation. I don't know why you're saying no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not only me, but all those who love his appearing. All this worker stuff that we're doing, all these meetings that we're doing, it really is about preparing to meet the Lord. Seriously, it really is. It really is about preparing our house, our family of believers to be ready for what is coming. Um. We do not feel like we've done a brilliant job, if I'm honest. But at the same time, and I'm talking we as elders, but at the same time, we can't do nothing about the past, but we can do something about now. And so when we call meetings, when we do certain things, when we say, okay, we're going to plant out or we're going to draw people in or we're going to send this or not do this, it is generally because we want to be ready for his appearing. Yeah. So, let's look at these seven guidelines from the old psalmist in Psalm 71. How to run your race to the end. Number one, learn to lean on the strength of the Lord in all that you do. He says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Lean on the strength of the Lord. We cannot rely on our money. We cannot rely on our influence. We cannot rely on our platforms. We cannot rely on our resource. We cannot even rely on each other concerning the vision God has for us. Our vision, in fact, our mission is to make disciples, and our vision is to make disciples through planting churches in every nation. Our mission, our vision is really about discipleship. We are a Christ-centered church. We are a purpose-driven church. These themes are who we are. Over the years, we've grown in our understanding about our mandate. 
If you ask us, what's CLF all about? It is a Christ-centered, purpose-driven church. That's what we are. If you ask us why are we here, we will tell you we are here to make disciples. If you ask us what do we want to see, what's our vision, we will tell you that our vision is to make disciples in every nation of the world. But that looks stupid and impossible, naturally speaking. But when you learn to rely on the strength of God, then it's a different issue altogether. It's a different issue. The psalmist says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. So if you want to run your race to the end, if you want to avoid being burnt out, do you know the amount of people who check out so easily when they've been serving two, three years and it gets hot and all of that? So many. Over the years, we've seen so many. People who by now should be sitting with us as senior elders don't even go to church often. I remember one person, so tragic, so tragic, very powerful, very anointed, very graced, yet today, their ambition in life is to make money. That's the ambition. What a tragedy. I wonder if that's your ambition, to make money. So, first thing, learn to lean on the strength of the Lord in all that you do, in all that we do. If we want to last... Secondly, he says, I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours alone. Focus on the righteousness of God. What is that? The things that God approves of. Righteousness is that which is approved of God. Listen, beloved, it is the simple things of the kingdom that ensures your success. It's not complicated. Sometimes you listen to some of these guys, it's like you need a proper degree, PhD, to understand John 3.16. <laughs> you know, subtext, context, pretext, ex-text, exegesis, exegesis, it's like, no. It's simple. It really is. When a demon is inside of somebody, no PhD, no degree works. It's come out in the name of Jesus or get beaten up. Focus on the righteousness of God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only, on the things that God approves of. So, whether it's in your home, whether it's in the ministry, how you serve as a worker, make sure you're focusing on righteousness. Really. How you serve as a pastor. You see, for instance... Look, I can tell you this now. If Phil and John were were here because of me, they would have left because I can be a real um, difficult, challenging human being in my past days up until today we've changed in Jesus' name. But one of the things that I've admired about these two men in particular, and I want to focus on, I'm focused on them for a reason, is that they have looked beyond this and have sought to serve the Lord have sought to do things for God. And I know some of you have that heart. Now, they're not perfect. They can be nightmares as well. But they are men of righteousness. The other day, Philip was talking to someone, and the person was saying some strange things, and Philip said to him, but you know what kind of men we are. You know, Paul said something. He said, imitate those in fact, not Paul, the writer of the Hebrews, imitate those 
Who spoke the word of God to you? Whose faith imitate? Obey those who spoke the word. Whose faith imitate? And one of the key things for you to focus on God's righteousness is look at the people who have lived it before you. Look at their life. Investigate our lives. Investigate my home. Investigate my marriage. Sometimes when people ask me about my home and I tell them it's, it's nice, it's good, they, it's like they're disappointed. They want to hear a scandal. Aisha just slapped me, you know. Daniel pulled a knife on me. Or, or some, you know, something, something scandalous. Ah, oh, now you're suffering like us. Ah, oh. No, it's not like that. But there's a reason it's not like that. Because we work very hard to make sure it's not like that. I'm sure Aisha has at times felt like slapping me the way I snore. <laughs> wake up! Wake up! <laughs> she doesn't do it. Praise God. If you've slept near me, you know. Anyway, let's just move on. Let's move on. You know what? <laughs> that sounds a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Focus on the righteousness of God. Third point. He says, oh God, you've taught me from my youth. Learn to be taught by God from your youth till you leave this life. He says, God, you've taught me from my youth. And to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now, he was an old man when he was penning this. One of the things I have discovered is this. There are things God will teach you in your youth that when you grow up, you'll be tempted to let go. There are churches that when they were first birthed, when you entered their, their worship, they were worshiping God. They were fast. They were praying. Yeah, come on, come on. They were loud. They were, they were, you know, as they grew and as more dignified people started attending the church, they then said the prayer meetings are too, uh, what's it? They're not something friendly. What's that term? That's, they're not seeker friendly. Huh. So let's hide the prayer. Because when these politicians come, when these dignified people come, we don't want them to think we are mad. No. Let them think you are mad. So that when they see the power of God, they'll know my goodness, it has to be God. What stupid. You see, the things God teaches us in our youth. But if you're not careful, as you grow older, you think you are exempt. No, 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 no. We are not exempt. If I, am a, if I am a bishop, and by the way, he has told me, you need to allow them to call you bishop. I know what that means. I've just released a can of worms. Pandora's box is open. But, uh, yes, like I said, Pandora's box. Look, it's already manifesting. <laughs> but let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. <laughs> you can do that what you want. But let me, oh, please. But let me tell you this. <laughs> let me tell you this. If I am a bishop, apostle, a pastor, or whatever, then I should be the most outrageous when it comes to worship. Amen. I sh Michael Okurumade should have nothing on me. His dancing like this is just too tame. Mine should be... Ooh, I think I pulled something. <laughs> yeah. Mine should be... What? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> See, I think I'm old. I'm younger. No, mine should be even more outrageous. 
But you know what happens? As, as people get older, I would say spiritually shorter, <laughs> they become more controlled. Before they used to raise their hands like this. Now they raise their hands like this. It's all stupidity. So, oh God, you have taught me from my youth. There are things you learn when you are young from God. You must never let it go. You must never let it go. When we were younger, there were certain things we will never stand for. We will not stand for injustice. We will not stand. We, we would be, we would see someone who is starving and we don't care. We just go there and help them and give the money that we needed to take that bus. We will give it and be prepared to walk 10 miles because that's the way of Christ. Today, whoa, we use a, a term. We must use wisdom. <laughs> Things that God taught you when you were younger. As you grow up, you must never let them go. You know, when we were younger and we prayed, we were wild. Now we are older when we pray. Santa Limba. That's the most you're going to get. That's the most you're going to get. And it's all, yes. Like you're a snake, yes. When you were younger, it was just, yes. Now it's, yes. When we were younger, you just spoke. You know, God loves you. Now it's, God. All kind of foolish theatrics. Now, you have to learn what God is teaching in your young days. Because it's what, whatever God used to bring you where you are. And whoever God uses to take you where you are, be careful of letting them go when you get there. So, oh, brother, so many people. It's like, you know, sometimes you wonder what is wrong with us. When they started, they were teachable. They were open. You could tell them. Then when they think they have arrived, when they need you the most, now we have outgrown you. The amount of times we've heard that, you know, you're, we've had, we, we thank God for CLF. CLF has really brought me this place. But now, but now, I, for your sake, I really pray you have outgrown us. I pray. Seriously. Because that kind of thinking is carnal. Essential. It's devilish. The more you grow in God, the more like a child you must become. That's how the kingdom works. Simple. So as a worker, if you find yourself now allowing yourself to, to do certain things that you never have done in your young days. You know, in our younger days, when we, when we first came to church, if worship was going on or someone was praying, we will stop. We will stop. Someone is praying. Let's show reverence. Today, someone is praying. That's when we want to even crack a joke. Look at, look at them. Look at them. Look at them. <laughs> wow, man. 
things that we would never have done when we were younger. We do it freely. You see, listen, don't get it confused. You might see me when we're doing things and I am talking to someone. Don't get it confused. You see, even Pastor Joe talks to people. You don't know what I'm talking to people about. Don't get it confused. I'm telling you this. Learn to maintain what you learned during your youth. Throughout your lifetime. He says, oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. The other day I was watching a preacher, a very um, influential man of God. And he was preaching. He was preaching about something to do with, I think it was prayer. It was so sad. You could tell. The glory has departed. Ichabod. The glory, because they were saying the right things. But you could tell, there's no anointing there. This is psychology. Now your, your prayer has not even become psychology. You need help. When your prayer is now psychological teachings, you are in big trouble. I felt so sad. Because this man of God, I actually have learned a lot from but in his younger days, you put his teaching on. In those days is when we, you notice I did an action. Because in those days you didn't, you didn't have this. You pressed it down, correct? Then he started to, we're getting older. I know you're wondering what it is. It was called cassette, cassette. Go and research it in the museum. <laughs> cassette. You'd, and Pastor John used to have all these, I mean, he, I mean, he used to have all these amazing messages. We used to really nick his messages. <laughs> Say, can I borrow, can I borrow this one? Uh, but Joe, you haven't brought back the other one. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. can, can I just borrow this one? Can I just borrow this one? Okay, but you need to bring it. Oh, don't go there, because I'm not giving it back. Can I borrow this one? And so I'm going to say, no, until you. So we learned a lot. But today, some of the guys we really listen to, when you listen to them, because the things that they learned in their youth, they abandoned it when they got older and embraced things that we should never have as part of the kingdom. Number four, he says this, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Maintain zeal for the Lord even when you advance in years. Don't allow your zeal to wane. Zeal for the Lord, zeal for his house. This guy, as an old man, said, even to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Even to this day. Even to this day. When I could retire, I declare your wondrous works. Even to this day. Your zeal for Jesus must be increasing. Your zeal for his house must be increasing. Some, some, some of you really inspire me. I mean, I'm serious because your zeal is very powerful. Yesterday I was talking with um, Pastor Nicholas and we were talking about certain things, honor and stuff, and he said to me, you know, he was asking me whether in the Medway Church, whether they honored me or not. And I said to him, let me tell you, you guys really honor me. Now, there were certain things where, that are lacking, 
And I said, the things that are lacking is not because you don't honor me. It's because of awareness, lack of awareness. But you really do honor me. You do honor me. And I see that with, with, with Nikki and say Mecca, their zeal for the Lord is there. Their zeal for the house of God is there. Because I know how stretched these men of God are. And they, have, they don't get any pay. But you know, when it decentralizes, you have more control. Hallelujah. <laughs> don't get any pay. And they will never even consider financial gain. Their zeal for God. Their zeal for the house. Beloved, I want to encourage you. Be zealous. Some of you, your zeal is so encouraging. I know of uh, one couple, they decided before they were out of a job, and they decided that we are going to contribute 5,000 pounds towards one of our churches in Ghana. The minute we get jobs, we're going to give 1,000 pounds each month. So just before we get the job, we're putting our first 1,000. That's zeal. That's zeal. Yeah. And there are people like that in our church, and that's wonderful. But let your zeal translate in all areas. In your finance. In how you attend to your duties. Because it's not everyone. Like, like, like today, I'm speaking twice. Phil is speaking once. John is speaking once. Peter is not speaking, apart from when he likes to do his thing. <laughs> Dina is not speaking. Lindsay, again, is not really speaking. <laughs> but... As for Mecca and Nicholas, we haven't even bothered approaching them at all. However, when they are given something to do, they give their best. Because I say that to say this. Don't wait only when you have a profile that you are given to excellence. Be given to excellence in whatever responsibility you have. One of our newest members, Joel, bless him. It's good to see him from Edinburgh. Came all the way from Edinburgh. Give him a hand. He does these videos. And when you look at his videos, and please look at his video, even if you don't like the video, just look at it. If you look at his video and do a like, even if you don't say in Jesus' name, I like it, then just press a like. But the quality of the videos is the point. It's good quality. And he does it in the church in Edinburgh, maybe you should come to Greenwich for a season. And, uh, and when you look at it, and when you look at it, you know that he's, there's a lot of effort. No pay, no money. We don't pay you anything, do we? Okay, you was thinking. No, we don't. No, we don't. Don't spoil my flow. Don't spoil my flow. <laughs> no, but no, no, no. Seriously. And there are people like that. So many heroes, like someone like Petrina works like a, uh, works very hard. Let's just put it like that. Very, very hard. Someone like Petrina should really sit on the eldership. I mean, she's at that level. But it's not that she's not willing. She's just it's not able. Someone like that. Some of our, these are some of our heroes. CLF. You, you, CDC. CDC. Aisha and Petrina. They're the reason why we have CDC. Because we, at one stage, we ourselves, we felt, ah. so I said to Petrina, look, we want to stop. He said, no, 
pastor, you don't stop it. I said, okay, yeah, 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 I hear, I hear. Yeah. Oh, how long do I have? I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying myself. I'm really enjoying myself. I've got how long? Ten minutes. Okay, fine. Yeah. See, the notes there, the, the, the notes you have, they're very good. You can read it. This here is me talking to you as a worker. I'm a fellow worker working with you. Amen. So, maintain your zeal for the Lord, even as you advance in years. Don't allow your zeal for God's house and for God and God's people. Don't allow it to wane. And don't imitate people who do. Don't. No. Let your zeal for God and his house increase. Because these are the secrets behind those who last and those who do not. Seven points, fifth point, sorry. He says this. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me. Rely on the Lord as you fulfill your assignment. Every step of the way. You know, the Lord, I feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to me very clearly about Mali. So I've been doing some research. Mali is one of the places ISIS is focused on. Timbuktu in particular. And Bamako, the place that he has spoken to me specifically about, is where they hijacked the last time in that hotel. So we have to rely on him. Who's going with me? Uh, I, I don't think you heard. I actually said, who is going with me? Because the way you laughed, I didn't say who doesn't want to go. I said, who, who, who's going? Look, even Peter's looking at me. <laughs> Without relying on the Lord, there's so many things you will not do. In fact, you will counsel yourself Okay, let me rephrase. I will counsel myself out of almost all my commitments. Don't miss, don't get it twisted. I, myself, at times, I know how ridiculous some of the things I believe God is telling me sounds. And I have these struggles. I was like, seriously. And the amount of times I say to the Lord, you know, if you tell me not to go anywhere, I actually will be okay. You know, I don't mind pastoring a church of 25 people. I'm cool. Just let me be able to pay my bills. I tell him that as well. Just let me be able to pay my bills. But I don't mind. <laughs> really. You know, when I was younger, definitely a lot of it was for my ego. I'll be honest. Whether God called me or not, I wanted to prove a point. But I'm a little bit older. I really don't care anymore, actually. I'm very happy to have a nice small church, be committed to them, once in a while, invite different ones to come and speak. Work with my fellow church leaders in the community. You know, when the mayor comes, we bless the mayor. <laughs> we go through our series, Pearls of Proverbs, Promises of Psalms, <laughs> Sapphires of Songs. <laughs> you, know, you know, go home to my wife and children. Weekends, enjoy a nice park, time in the park, have a few picnics here and there. Once in a while we have a convention. You know, life will be really good. 
not. Okay, today is Kenya. Three weeks later is Nigeria. Five weeks is Mali. Two months later, when you think it's a breather, now go to Iraq. <laughs> and then, oh, by the way, whilst you're doing all of that, make sure, write a few books in the process. Uh, just a few, because you're not that intelligent. So just write three or four. Uh, also, oh, you've got a few demonic cases you have to deal with along the way that will come. Uh, there will be a few deaths in between, a few intense moments. Oh, uh, one of your key guys, two or three or four of your key guys have decided they are now leaving. This one is all part of the ministry. Are you still ready? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then you will make blunders along the way, serious gaffes. You know, along the way, you will unintentionally insult some of your most precious people. You go up there, and in your, somehow you are preaching, you happen to say Philip is a fool without realizing that's what you actually said. And then he'd sit there and just smile. And his wife is seething. We'll kill him later. <laughs> yeah. All of that. Because Philip is definitely not a fool. Let's just be clear. But all of that is part of it. So you have to learn to rely on the Lord. If you're doing God's work, as a worker, if you don't rely on the Lord through, through it all, you will see people come. They, they will come and then suddenly they are standing where you are supposed to be standing. And they're being given, oh, have you seen, have you seen Sister Flame since she came? <laughs> Brother Hot. Who's on top? And you, Miss Faithful, Brother Reliable, you are, you, you, even the pastor said, you, you are so boring. Now, thank God we've got someone who's so excited. <laughs> if you are not careful, if you are not careful, you'll stop relying on the Lord. And say, you know what, I'm out of here. And you forfeit your prophetic destiny. No. Learn to rely on the Lord. Right through. As you are doing his work. Number six. How you last a commitment to manifest the power of God. Look at what he says. Oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. If you are committed to the, seeing the supernatural power of God through your life and ministry, it will push you to press in to God through prayer and fasting. Beloved, there is no shortcuts. No matter how much knowledge you have about God's word, if you want to be consistent in manifesting his power, his supernatural power, you have to devote yourself to prayer and fasting. You have to. And the word. You have to. These three ingredients, prayer and fasting. Don't let this size fool you. Don't let it fool you. Prayer and fasting. You have to. There is no way we could do what we are doing. Go where we are going if we don't give ourselves to seeking the face of God. You can't. There is no way we will have the strength to be doing all that we're doing for so long. Kwame, uh, have you ever had a sabbatical? You've been overdue one for the last 10 years. But don't worry, it's, it's coming. He's, hey, he's sowing a seed, though. He's sowing a seed. Yeah. 
So you will last when you learn to commit to seeing the power of God. The power of God. Not manipulating marketing tricks. The power of God. The power of God. And that comes through prayer. That comes through fasting. That comes through seeking God. That comes through studying the word. As a worker, you must be supernatural. You must be supernatural. You have to press in to God. He says, put the scripture up, please. Put the scripture up. He says, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. He wanted to make sure that the generation coming had no doubt what was behind his success, the power of God. And the last point is this. Have a vision beyond your generation. He says he wants to declare his strength to this generation but, and his power to everyone who is to come. You know, make sure what you're doing in CYFC, you have the generation coming to take over. You build it in such a way. What we are doing in CLF, honestly, we are building in such a way that in 10, 15 years, whilst we're still a part of CLF, others will be taking the baton. There will come a time I will no longer be the leader of CLF. I am believing that in the next 10 to 15 years, we'll be able to raise the church in such a way that Philip, John, myself, we can give ourselves to other things me, I want to just be planting churches, going to villages and things all over the world. Once my children grow up, I know Aisha, she, if, if the children were not here, Aisha, I'm sure, will either be in, somewhere in Somalia, Iraq, somewhere in Syria, some of those places, that lady, I am sure. We're just biding our time. We want to give our strength in such a way that the power of God will be released. That the generation coming will stand on our shoulders and do far better. This is why we're writing the way we're writing. This is why we're planting the way we're planting. This is why we're teaching and training the way we're doing. Have a generational outlook. Look beyond you and your generation. One of the problems with many evangelical and Pentecostal Christians is this. One of their problems is this. Jesus is coming. So don't buy land. This is, this is, this is actually one of the things that affected us. Jesus is coming. So you know what? Just preach. Don't even buy any land. Don't buy any house. Don't plan for anything. Because you know what? Jesus will come any minute. And I had this paradigm when I started the church. So I wasn't interested in land. I wasn't interested in house. Now we're renting, renting. So we are going to build in such a way that the generation coming does not repeat the same mistake. One of my friends, when he started his church, I said to him, the, the um, pastor, um, Stuart in the Emmanuel Church, I said to him, let me give you a tip. One of my mistakes when I started CLF was I did not see the need for buying a building. So I didn't even factor it in. And today we're suffering for it. I said, don't repeat that mistake. So, he said, at least others are going to benefit. Now, there will come a time we will have all the buildings we need, but that is a painful lesson. 
So think generationally. Like if you're an usher, don't be so quick to leave the ushering. Before you leave, make sure you leave it better. If you are in charge of the worship team, don't be so quick to let it go. Before you leave, make sure it is far better than when you found it. If you are in charge of any area of ministry and you are moving to another area of ministry, don't be so quick to let it go. Make sure that it is in a better state. You have put in place things that makes it better and stronger so that when you are left, you are not missed. But you know what most people think? I've done my bit. <laughs> Have a vision beyond your generation. Beyond you. Amen.